this is Tooth Toad. This is Dr. Walter Aka. And Dr. Kyle Dumpert. We have the pleasure of having Dr. Nagme Pashmini on with us today. She is a, a good friend. I know her from residency, and uh, we brought her on today to talk about her experience working in a corporate dental environment, uh, what her experience was, where she's at now, and just to try and help get some information out there for anybody that might be considering their options as far as private versus corporate, because she has experience with both. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, for Dr. Aka, for having me on. Oh, no, our so, pleasure, our pleasure. Thank you. So where do I start? It all started in 2015. Okay. Um, I graduated from the residency at the P uh, Pittsburgh VA Hospital, and um, I was kind of contemplating at that time whether or not I want to specialize. I was thinking of endo, so I didn't really want to commit to a private practice. That was the only reason I got into Heartland Dental corporate dentistry so i <laughs> so i basically started with heartland in july of 2015 and i was with them for three years all the way till july of 2018 where i left and i started i moved to virginia and i started in a private practice uh, i'm still an associate but um, i've kind of been through both ends so well, so they i i because i know you uh and i I was actually working in Hawaii at the time, and I was looking into getting into Heartland uh, as far as, you know, they kind of had the best reputation as a, as far as the corporate offices go. So I, I actually reached out to uh, Dr. Pashmini about what her experience was. And if, if I remember correctly, you worked at, is it two different Heartland offices? Is yes. that right? So I so Heartland offices there are two types of them, or at least when I was with them, they had two different types of practice. You either have an affiliation practice, which is a nice, successful, previously private practice that joined Heartland, and the Heartland bought them out. They usually keep the original owners on as associates and as the head dentist, and then they bring other associates, usually recent grads, in to join the practice. So I started off as an affiliation practice for about six months in Baltimore. Um, and then I moved into a de novo practice and I opened that for them in Pittsburgh, uh, actually Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which is about um, 30 minutes south of Pittsburgh. Right. Um, so I kind of saw both ends of it. The de novo practices are basically a startup that, um, Hardin does. They start everything technology wise. Everything is beautiful. State of the art practices. They have everything digital. I had an iTero. I had a Serona laser. I had things that. I mean, for a new grad, wasn't bad. <laughs> I was <laughs> having all that stuff, you know. Um, but I saw both ends of it, and honestly, like I think me and Kyle had both had two different experiences with Heartland. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you kind of gonna get a positive and a negative, I think. So, <laughs> well, we will. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll surprise our listeners. Who who's gonna be more negative? I think our listeners already know, but we'll pretend that. <laughs> um, but so you said that you were thinking about specializing in endo, but then yes. three years later, you decided to not do that. So can you explain to us like what changed within? Because for me, when I was working, I worked at Aspen Dental after the, the VA um, uh, residency like you guys went through. 
And after a year, that year is when I knew, like, I'm definitely going to go perio. I love surgery. I hated dentures. So I'm going to go that route. But you went for three years. So can you explain what happened, what changed your mind and so forth? So when I was at the VA, um, I fell in love with endo. I hated endo fresh out of dental school. I knew nothing about it. And I think that was the problem. I wasn't confident enough to say, hey, I can just do the smaller endo and I can do it as good as a specialist. But I feel like being through that VA one year just kind of gave me the confidence that, I mean, I'm not saying there are cases that are specialists only, but for majority of straightforward endos, I can do just as good as a specialist out there can do, especially if I have the time and I want to keep, I want to work on that patient. (laughs) So um, I love that coming out of the VA. Now, at the time I was moving to Baltimore, that was the plan. But I had an offer by the pit endo that, hey, if you want to consider endo, we are open to it. So if you want to put an application in, maybe we'll set up an interview and you can start the following year. So I had a year to kind of experience and see, do I want to do endo? Do I want to go into general practice? And when I moved to Baltimore, I had every intention of moving back to Pittsburgh and starting the endo residency. But I started making money with Heartland and I was like, oh, you know what? I just don't, what if, what if I just take a year off? Like I just, I couldn't go back and forth. And again, I started at an affiliated practice where the senior doctor, that was the original owner, he was totally anti-specialty. So I don't want to say I was brainwashed, but he basically talked to me a lot about logically speaking, you're going to take on so much more student loans. You're going to go back and lose income for two years or three years doing whatever endo program you're doing. And you're going to come back and you can do the same endo cases you want to do. You can pick and choose the fun endo cases now and not really be stuck with patients that you don't want to work on. Wow. So I was that was like his idea. And I started thinking about it and I started making money. And I guess you start working in real world. And I was like, I ended up referring some endo patients out just because I didn't want to do the endo. And I'm like, well, if I was the endodontist, I would be in the receiving end of this. And (laughs) as much as I love the endo, do I want that aspect of it? So I started actually liking the fact that general dentists have the freedom of sending patients out um, more than now you're the last resource and you have to do this whether or not you like it or not. Um, So... I mean, and I'm sure endodontists can send patients out too, but I think oral surgeons are up there, right? They well, can everybody. You know, let, let's let's pause and, and kind of you know talk about that for a second, actually, because you know you said he's he was anti-specialty. I think he just told you the truth, and that's come from somebody who's a periodontist, right? Yeah. Everything he said was completely correct, and that was something that I weighed. I was like, I'm making good money right now. I'm gonna give that up to add on $100,000 worth of debt for three years of my life, I'm giving up, right? Where I could have made income, but I'm actually losing income uh, <laughs> just to basically end up in the same position with less freedom in a way, you know? And, so And more complicated patients. And more complicated patients that end, kind of stop with you, right? The buck stops with you. So in, in, in that sense, I actually agree. Uh, and so, you know, it's funny. I couldn't imagine doing anything else than what I'm doing now because I love surgeries. But that is something that I feel like a lot of new grads don't understand or or feel like, oh, I'm going to come in and I'm an orthodontist and I'm just going to go straight through and I'm going to be an orthodontist, right? I don't. Th- I think having a year to really analyze dentistry as a general practitioner, I think it's really, really good. I don't understand. I, I really think schools should just stop letting people in right out of dental school. 
because you're an idiot. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. And honestly, there was, there is nothing in general dentistry. Like you mentioned, you don't like doing dentures. Uh, hate I them. Love there's <laughs> nothing, there's nothing better than an old man sitting there letting me make him teeth. I love oh. that relationship you build with a patient. Um, that was like my I nightmare. Love everything. <laughs> not, and I was thinking about this today. I was like, what procedure is it that I wouldn't do if I could? There's nothing. I probably would give up some MODs and DOs because that's just the most boring thing to do. But other than that, there's really, I love general dentistry. That was another reason for me to think, hey, I want to take a year, another year off before I commit myself to do an endo where I kind of want to see where this takes me. I like the relationship you build with a patient and then they bring their aunts to you. Then they bring their kids to you and you see those kids grow up and then you do their Invisalign down the road. It's like, it's very rewarding for me, um, and I did not want to give that up. I didn't feel like I loved endo enough to give all of that up with general dentistry and just strictly do endo all day. And then I had one day where I had three endo patients back to back, and I was like, "Hell no!" <laughs> <laughs> I'll do one at a time. We, but like, I can. We finally got to the truth. All day long. Yes. <laughs> we finally got to the. It took a while, but we finally got to the it truth. It was that one traumatic. Like, uh, uh, it was and it was like it's just I don't want to do this all day long for the rest of my life um, but general dentistry I feel like I have I can kind of move my schedule the way I want if there's too many crowns one day which we can never have those days um, I can always move patients around if it's you get a variety of everything so that's the most that's the thing I love the most about general dentistry so that's kind of where I was in when I was in Baltimore, I kind of decided I don't want to do endo anymore or I wanted to take a year off or think about it more. But Baltimore was just not the city I wanted to live in. So that's how I ended up moving back to Pittsburgh. Now, between the two different offices, you were in a um, affiliated practice originally, and then you moved to a de novo practice. Uh, based on what I experienced at Heartland, they have a contract that gets set up in a way that you get a base salary and then you can bonus over top of that base salary once the office becomes profitable or hits a, a certain profitability number. Were, was What was the difference between, uh, I, obviously a de novo practice, there's a lot more investment into building the actual building, equipping it with all the equipment, and then building a patient base, so you're not hitting the ground running from day one with a you know 2,500 active patients. You're you're trying to attract that. Um, did you? I get. What was your experience uh, between that de novo versus the affiliated practice? As far as um, what is your? I, I guess what I'm saying is you know. Corporate comes in and makes a lot of promises about this is how much money you can make, sky's the limit. Uh, we have this bonus program set up and we have people that are just absolutely killing it. And looking at or your experience between an affiliated and a de novo practice, uh, if you had the option to go into either one just solely for the paycheck, which is a better option for you? So I think what the bonus structure you're referring to, it's not necessarily depending on the practice. So the way 
set up for me is yes, you get this base salary straight off, like you hit the ground running with this set salary, whether you make that money or not. Now, the way they, they work, they pay you that salary, but if 25% of your production did not equal what they gave you, you go into a negative balance with Heartland. So you will never bonus over your base salary unless you've actually produced enough to pay off that negative balance. Now you have no balance with Heartland, so now you start bonusing on your work. Mm-hmm. You get basically 25% of your production or your base salary, whichever is higher, but that only works when you're no longer in negative with them. Right. However, if you're in a practice that's already profiting, profit, they call it profit sharing, then you also get a higher percentage, I believe, of the bonus. Um, but you still will not bonus, even if you are in the most profitable practice, you will not bonus over your base pay. Unless you've paid off your negative. Right. So, so. I'll give my experience uh, since we're going down that rabbit hole is well, who's Kyle, positive. You, you're the one that actually brought this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's a, so we're getting into why this. I, I had a negative experience. And there it is. So uh, I, when I joined Heartland, it was the office that I joined was uh, an affiliated office. So they were hitting the ground running or they they were already producing. Uh, they had the patient base there. There was some management changes that um, kind of left me in limbo with when I was at the practice. Um, there was no real structure there. So I very quickly went into that debt hole that you were referring to. And about four or five months in, that debt hole was significant enough. I think it was like 40 grand or something that I was in debt to Heartland that looking forward, there was absolutely no way for me to, to climb out of that debt hole anytime soon. I mean, it would have taken years to dig out of that. And that's ultimately part of the reason that I ended up leaving Heartland was after the year contract commitment, I could just walk away, wash my hands. I didn't owe anything back to Heartland uh, because the way it was set up, I I couldn't make more than that base salary, uh, which is part of the reason it went into that neg- somewhat of a negative experience with Heartland. Now, did you, when, when you're transferring between offices, does that debt follow you? It did not because I moved states. Oh. oh. Moved from Maryland to Pennsylvania, and I actually had to sign a brand new contract. They gave me a sign-on bonus to go to Pennsylvania because the de novo that was set to open on February 16, I believe, and this is mid-December that I talked to the regional director at the holiday party, and that's when I told her, I want to move. I, I don't want to stay in Baltimore. This is not the right spot for me. I want to move back to, of course, Pittsburgh. And she was like, actually, this office we were supposed to open, the doctor kind of backed out of the contract. The entire team is hired and trained, but there's no doctor to open the practice. So there was already a sign-on bonus on the practice, so I got the bonus. And then they moved me back, and all my debt was kind of done. Because in the six months that I was in Baltimore, they hired me and a new associate. So two new Heartland associates started in the practice that couldn't support two new dentists. They already had two dentists there. And I ended up working three days a week. 
it was the other associate actually like he's a very good friend of mine we're still he's still there he's still in that practice the original owner's retired and now he's the only one working there so he's making a lot of money in that practice because he basically inherited all the patients mm. but it didn't work for me and him and both of the originals working in an office that only had six operatories we couldn't be there all at the same time a lot of the patients so what i notice in affiliations is a lot of the patients are just and i feel like with any other associateship you're they're not open to a new person coming in so if they're coming in to see that doctor they're they want to see doctor and so and so they don't want to see the new girl especially like most of them are like are you 16 like chemistry <laughs> so it's just, it was kind of challenging for me just in that aspect. And I made nothing. Like if I was to stay in Baltimore, I would probably just like you, Kyle, I would go into a lot of debt. And I'm pretty sure I still, I already did. But once I moved, that was one of the incentives for me too. That kind of all got taken care of. So I started brand new and it took me about a year. So I, we started February 16th and it was November. Again, I saw a regional director in the next holiday party. And I had this talk with her. I was like, listen, listen, look at what we've done in the last year. It's not basically I'm the only doctor running a practice that's supposed to have two doctors. We have two hygienists. We have all these people that I'm supporting and we're doing really good. So it took a lot of negotiations, but they ended up writing off some of my negative balance. Oh, wow. I was, I was almost done with it, though. It was like a few thousand left. And they wrote that off so I could start bonusing. So nice. I did start getting commission, and that's when I really started making money. I'm like, oh, I'm not leaving Heartland. Well, I, I have this practice. I have a beautiful 12-hour practice just for myself, and why would I leave? It it really made sense for me. But then they brought a second dentist in, and that just kind of ruined everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those second greedy dentists. Um, <laughs> here, let me ask a question. So I remember when I was at Aspen, the way you kind of bonus was they compared the previous year's numbers to your this year's number. So the November of last year to no November of this year. And then they said, oh, you've actually, you know, hit that mark or whatever the number was that they set for the office, right? Plus that additional. And so that additional, you got a percentage off of that. And that's kind of like how you got your bonus. But with a de novo, you're starting brand new with it's there are no numbers to compare so how do you start bonusing from the beginning when there are no comparisons so what they had they had like a growth model that's completely different for de novos than it is for affiliations i believe in affiliations and don't take i mean i i wouldn't quote me on that but i believe what they do is once they once they're profiting they will start sharing that bonus if it's over 16% of last year. So if you are 16% higher than what you were last year, let's say you were 20% higher, you bonus on that 4%. Mm -hmm. There's some, I don't know how they work with that affiliation kind of calculations, but with the de novo, they want to continually see you grow. But I don't believe there is a comparison to last year. So it's month to month. It's month to month. Okay. And it's month to month. They look at your production. They look at your collections, actually. They look at your collections. And then they look at how much they paid you. So whichever is higher, then you get paid that. Mm. But you're not really profit sharing with the practice. Because with the de novo, to get to a 16% profit plus 16% over what you actually, your so. They said, like, let's say the new practice, 
it incurred a million dollars in debt just just because they opened it, right? Just right. to get it started. So they wanted all of that million dollars to be produced, kind of paid off, so get rid of that debt. Then once you go 16% over that, then I would start profit sharing from mm. the remainder of that on top of my bonus. So it, we never made it that far. Mm. I just made it to the point where I was producing my collections, 25% of my collections were higher than what they were paying me as base. Right. So I just get that 25%. Now let's, let's talk about uh, the, the positives of corporate dentistry, specifically Heartland. It's negative. I, I, you only get 25% of yeah. collections uh, compared to private practice, which is 30, 35%, I think is somewhere what the, the standard is, uh, at least in my area. Well, Kyle, hold on, hold on. So here's, here's a question, right? So you know that they get 25%. Do you think that a lot of uh, private practices are starting to see that, hey, corporate is paying 25, so why would I pay 30 or 33? Well, I, I think the benefit there is everything else that corporate and from our experience, Heartland can offer, which is basically any continuing education you want, you go and they pay for it, especially if it's within, uh, under their roof. Uh, I mean, they, they sent us to Florida, to Texas, to pretty much anywhere we wanted. And they even paid for some continuing education outside of Heartland that I wanted to go to, as long as I could show them this is what you're going to pay for it, but this is what my projected um, income will be from being able to do these new procedures. Mm. So you're giving up some of that percentage to have uh, just focus on dentistry. You're giving it up to have that continuing education, to have that support that a DSO can offer you. So for private practice, me as a business owner to say I can provide that same level of support to an associate that I'm hiring. I, I don't have those that kind of um, support available. I, I can give you a couple thousand dollars a year for continuing education, but I can't, uh, unless somebody's just looking over my shoulder, I can't really provide that same level of, uh, I, I kind of looked at it as... Right, exactly. And I agree with that. And it's like with Heartland too, like we got a lot of paid vacations. Since I've been an associate in private practice, I haven't had a single day of paid vacation. <laughs> they don't they, they don't pay for it. You know, you take yeah. the day off, you have a several I have a ten days off a year that I can take, but it's unpaid. Um I they don't pay towards continuing education. I know Heartland paid for our um liability insurance, which my private practice doesn't. Um right. so there's a lot of costs that are associated with that. And Heartland gave towards my 401k. My current practice doesn't. Um, they gave me health insurance, which my current practice doesn't. So I had to get on my husband's health insurance. Um, so there are a lot of perks that comes with that. And I'm lucky enough that my current private practice actually pays for my lab bills, unless I want to use a very super fancy lab. But most of the labs we use are pretty decent. So I've never had to use that. But then they pay for the lab fees. But most private practices do not pay for lab fees. They take that out of your collections. Um, and I think that's a bigger 
thing too, versus 30% versus the 25% versus 35%. That's what, I don't know. I feel like at the end of the day, honestly, it ends up being the same. It's very- Even with, with Heartland, they didn't just cover continuing education. They covered travel also. So they're paying for the plane tickets, the hotel, the all meals, the rental cars, everything. And they, while we were there, they really weren't watching over a whole lot of what we wanted to eat, where we wanted to go. It was save your receipts, submit them, and we'll, we'll reimburse you for it. So if you wanted to go out and have a $100 dinner or $200 dinner or something, for the most part, they didn't say anything. I think toward the end, when I was there, they started cracking down saying, look, you know, be careful with your expenses. Um, but as far as how they treat you as a doctor, they treat you very well. They, they treat you very well. Yeah. Whatever. If you want to take time off, it in my contract, they really didn't have any restrictions as far as how much time I could take off. Uh, it's basically, you know, we we trust that you're a doctor, and uh, you know, within reason, you can do pretty much whatever you want. I think I had like 14 days in my contract, but there were, there were, I mean, I've taken more than that. Um, mm-hmm. Also, like you take more time because a lot of their CEs fall on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you're closing the office down and they're not kind of holding that against you. So that doesn't count towards your day off. Whereas in private, it's, it's very hard to even say, Hey, I want to take two days off and go take the CE. Still, it counts as your travel, as your vacation time. So you can't, kind of use that. I mean, at least in the office I'm at now, that's how the way it is. Right. Um, well, here's here's something. So I'm hearing all the good news about Heartland and, and all, you know, what you guys went through. But if this was so great, then I guess you wouldn't have left. So could we transition to what made you want to start leaving and go into private practice? I mean, Kyle, Kyle, you left because you wanted to open your own, correct? I, I left for a number of reasons. Okay. Uh, one was um, I, I wanted a higher pay. I, I was breaking even with student loans where I was. So they will negotiate or they did anyway with me as far as what base salary I needed to make my bills. Uh, but I wasn't getting rich. I, w- I was breaking even. And I knew in private practice, cause I worked in private practice that I could make a lot more money, uh, especially because of that debt that I had occurred while working at Heartland before I could profit over everything. So the biggest thing for me was I, when I went to Heartland, I was, yeah, I was open to staying there long-term. Uh, but once I saw it, was it going to be a, a long road to get over that base salary? That's why I left. The reason I left, um, now I was with Heartland total of three years. I started off in that de novo. Again, I felt like the king. I was great. They make, they praise you. They put you on a pedestal. I was the only doctor in the region who was placing implants. They were sending me patients from the other practices in Pittsburgh area. And then I just felt very important. And like they honestly, one of the best things about Heartland is it builds up your confidence as a new grad. So then six months go, six months I start bonusing for six months. I'm making great money. My schedule still as a de novo still wasn't full. Like there were still days that were empty. There were still days that were super packed. So I still had a lot more room 
to make money and to get busier. And then they started to bring a second dentist in. So they keep telling you from day one that this is a doctor-led practice. So if you are the head doctor, if you're the lead doctor, which I was at the de novo practice, my dog just walked in, um, he is basically you get to call all the shots. Whereas, and that was the case for the majority of the time. But when the time came to make huge important decisions like bringing a second dentist in, they do not care about you. Mm. They don't care that they didn't care about the fact that I sat down and I said, listen, there's so much free time on my schedule. Why don't we fill this? And when I can't handle it anymore, then bring a second doctor. Why are you adding? Now, another thing too, I was trying to work towards getting that office to profit rather than every month being negative with the initial debt that it had. Um, bringing in another dentist in and adding $120,000 salary a year for the practice, that's not smart when you're not profiting, when that dentist is not going to produce what they're costing the practice. So they didn't listen. They brought a second dentist in. And they brought a person who, as personally, we got along, great guy. He just was very timid when it came to dentistry. Didn't want to do an endo, didn't want to do any surgery, didn't wanted to refer everything out. And he wasn't open to actually referring to me. Mm. So, he, so like there were, I, we even went to multiple conversations with him as long as, Hey, if I, if Dr. Pashmini is not in the office and you have an endo and you don't want to do it, text her a picture of the x-ray, see if she wants to do it or not. She can do the endo and send it to you, keep the production in the practice. He wasn't about that. So it was a year of us sharing a lot of the new patients. So my production went down. They basically started putting a lot of the new patients on his schedule. And at the end of the day, it's a business. He wasn't making money off of those patients. And I mean, obviously, we are there for the taking care of the patients and fixing their teeth and oral health and all that. But at the end of the day, if you have a $59 new patient cleaning exam, x-rays, panel, FMX, everything, it better be profitable for the practice. Um, he just didn't have that mentality. He wanted to come in. Just see a few patients a day, refer any hard ones out. He was still collecting his base salary. Mm -hmm. So that was the mentality that just personally, it clashed with me. So for about a year, for about a year of that, and then they let him go. They let him go and the office actually started kind of hurting a little bit because there were a lot of unhappy patients that I had, believe it or not, made a name for myself in Greensburg. Um, I was one of the only female dentists in the area, and a lot of patients were referring family members to me, and they would come and see the other doctor, and then the other doctor could not provide the same treatment. So um, a lot of the patients basically became upset, they left their practice, or a lot of redos that I had to do because he just didn't do a good job. Um, so they let him go, and then they were like, I had a meeting with our RDO, regional directors. And she was like, okay, so we're going to let you, and this is about six months before I left, we're going to let you be the sole doctor again. We're going to let you rebuild this practice. We're going to do this. But that's, they promised that's nice. <laughs> promised me all these things. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And then I heard that they, through the grapevine, that they are interviewing other doctors. For a second position again so they kind of went behind my back on that aspect that they told me i'm going to be the only doctor in the practice again for a while 
And then they were actually thinking about bringing a doctor from New York who had taken a year off after dental school to go travel. And wow. now we're planning on coming back. And I was like, "And how do you think that's going to help this practice? She doesn't do endo. She doesn't do anything. Like, she just wants to learn. And I'm like, and you want me to share my practice with her. So my success kind of became dependent a lot. Like, it was, I started losing control of the practice. And I think now that I've worked a little bit longer, I realize, you know, I do better in a setting where I'm by myself, whether the owner or the associate, where I don't have to share patients with other doctors. Um, so, and honestly, by the three-year mark, I felt like I had exhausted all their CEs. Mm-hmm. There was um, one of the main things I stayed with Heartland for was their CEs. I was like, I'm never going to get all these awesome endo courses, great business courses um, anywhere else and not have to pay for it. Um, so I felt like I kind of ran out of courses to take. I finished most of their courses. They also paid for me to go to a Zimmer Institute for a week and just kind of have some hands-on training with Zimmer, which was great. But then after that, I was like, at this point, there is nowhere for me to get better with Heartland. So I kind of reached a stopping point where this is it. Like, I kind of used the perfect three years that I had with them, and then I was out. And I was, when when I left, or when I was in Hawaii talking to Nagme, our, our plan was, she knew at that time that Heartland was trying to hire for her office, a second dentist. And since we were both trained the same, get along, uh, our plan was for me to come to Greensburg and work at the same office. So I came, I interviewed at beautiful office, but then Heartland says, well, you know, there's this other practice over here. We'll give you a better deal if you go work at this other office. So somebody that, uh, we wanted to work together, but ultimately, I mean, I, I was coming for a paycheck also. And they, they dangled the carrot somewhere else with a better deal where they thought they needed me more. And they kind of, I think, went behind her back a little bit there to that's, push that's, me in a different direction. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, I feel like if you and me had ended up in that practice, we would we would have been good. Like we would yeah. have worked there. But they kind of split us and they brought somebody who personality-wise didn't match with me, didn't match with the practice. And I think one of the main negativities that I can mention about Heartland is how they have a cookie cutter recipe for every office. So somebody who's sitting in DC and dealing with practices that are dealing with patients that are from Washington, DC is making rules for how I'm supposed to run my practice in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which is mostly a farm. So it doesn't apply. And that was one of the hardest things for me towards the end to get away from, because I was like, you know what, at this point, we can bicker all we want. I can go back and forth. I can negotiate with you all we want. But at the end of the day, you're making the shots. And the shots are not the ones that I think are right for my practice, the practice that I built from ground up. So, yeah. Well, okay. Let me ask this question because I'm listening to everything. Um, so, you know, Heartland has, what, probably over a 1,000 offices now, right? So they're doing yeah. something right. So what do you think that they're doing right that, you know, we could as maybe, you know, private practice owners or, or just dentists in general, what could we learn from them? Because they're doing something right, right? For as much as you guys had talked about all the good stuff and the negative and everything, what is what is what are they doing right that allows them to continue to grow at this rate that they're growing? So 
comparing it to, for example, when I left Heartland and started at a private practice, the things that bothered me in private practice were I know Heartland focuses highly on hygienists and training their hygiene and having the hygiene close treatment and certain routine that you have those 13 dots that you have to go through. You have to transfer the patients. You have for every single patient, every staff member has a role. Whereas in private, I feel like it's more relaxed. Like there are days that I want my hygienist and I go and I'm like, why did you not take that photo? And it's like, oh, well, the next patient was here. Whereas in Heartland, this would not go. This would not like that, that hygienist or that staff member that just like kind of wanted to cut it short for one patient compared to the other, they would get in trouble for that. Mm. So I think one of their biggest advantages are they invest a lot in training the staff. So your staff, your business assistants, your dental assistants, your hygienists, and you as a doctor, you get a lot of training. They do talk about personality types. They do teach you how to talk to a doctor, to how to talk to a patient. Um, which I think was the most valuable thing for me too. Just fresh out of dental school and residency, you have no idea how it works. I didn't, at least. Like I, you just think you're going to go in and say, Hey, you need a crown and they're all going to accept and you're just going to walk out. Whereas, you know, Heartland teaches you how to approach every patient. And do I like go back to what I've learned from them every single day? No, I don't do that with my patients now, but I feel like it just kind of got instilled in my, personality as how I and I know now in private practice if a hygienist has worked for Heartland before they're on top of the list they love hygienists from Heartland they love front desk that have worked with Heartland because again I think it's just a lot better training and compared to private practice because they have that cookie cutter model they have the systems down and they can take those systems plug it into an office plug that training in send the staff, the office to, to these trainings that they have set up. And it's a, their systems are stuff that works. And I've fallen back on, on some of those systems being a private practice owner. Now uh, I've tried to bring in some of those systems that I learned from Heartland and it, it definitely helps. They're just a lot more efficient at it than a private practice could be. Okay, well, so if they have a system and it's a cookie cutter system, but we know that regions in the United States are not uh, the same. Like you said, someone in D.C. is seeing a, a certain kind of uh, patient pool versus someone in Greensburg, uh, yeah. you know, Pennsylvania. So how do I, you know how do we know that uh, this system here is going to work in this system here? And do you think that that might be the shortcoming of like of Heartland, right? Because for example, if you grew up in uh, Greensburg, right? You might know that hey, this these people aren't gonna go for the all on four system, or they're not gonna go for this. So you can actually talk to them about things that matter to them, right? Versus somebody in D.C. or in in L.A. or something that might be more of a you know showy, uh, you know, uh, aesthetically driven person. You mm -hmm. see, so so how do we take what Heartland is doing well? but then manipulate it to the areas that we're at so we can basically get the best that we possibly can from patients and, and, and treat patients with that high level, right? We can't treat everybody the same. Uh, I'll go with that. Um, I, I think with, I'm just going to ignore your 
question completely and say what I want to say about well, something else. Well, here you else. go. <laughs> this is why I'm here. <laughs> so my, my opinion about why Heartland, why Aspen, why all these DSOs can thrive. One, they have the systems. Um, now, those systems don't talk to everybody, every single patient, but they talk to the majority of them. Okay. Second reason I think they are so successful is the purchasing power they have, the um, the negotiating power they have with dental suppliers, with insurance companies. Because they have over a thousand offices, they have a lot more weight when it comes to, okay, Delta, this is it, it, this is what Delta is offering. Well, Heartland can say that is not good enough. None of our 1,000 offices are going to participate with you. That's going to hurt Delta a little bit more than one private practice saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to drop you. Same with Henry Schein or Patterson or whoever is working with Heartland. Mm -hmm. Give me a better deal because I'm not just having one practice buy from you. I'm having over a thousand practices that I'm going to funnel all of our supplies through you guys so they can you know they can get something for you know pennies what a private practice can can get for so that i think is also a reason why they're doing well and also i feel like they work a lot of these new grads to to the max you know the hours that they have they have a lot more available hours um, their models, at least for the denote, so they're a lot more flexible with their affiliated practices. If they buy a practice that only works Monday through Thursday, they usually try to keep those hours, at least initially. They try to force more hours on them later on. But with a de novo, you open up seven to seven every day, Monday through Saturday. And that's the model they have. They work their doctors a lot. Um, they make their hygienists see a lot of new patients and they are, everybody's very much pressed for production, whereas at the end of the day, they're not paying them as much. So I think compared to, for example, what my Heartland front desk was being paid, that's not even comparable to what my front desks are getting paid now in a private practice. It's So I think overhead-wise, again, going back to what Kyle said, they're able to keep their overhead pretty low. And with that, having that doctors going into that negative balance, they kind of straight up kind of put a ceiling over your income right like you just yeah. not um, unless you get yourself unless some miracle happens and you get yourself out of that negative balance they're not paying their doctors much they're just paying enough to make you want to come to work and at least again make the ends meet and break even but at the end of the day they're they're working the doctors but they're not paying them even if you are producing more but you're still paying them for a while until you're able to bonus so i think they save a lot of money that way. And as Kyle said, they're just a huge company and they have this powers to go and accumulate more offices and just get richer and richer. They also focus on the business. So private practice, for the most part, from what I've met, most private practices, dentists aren't looking over the numbers. They're kind of going in, they're doing their dentistry and really not paying attention to the business of dentistry. Heartland pays attention to the business of dentistry. You're going to have quarterly meetings. You're going to have monthly meetings. You're going to have daily huddles. You're going to shut the office down every couple of weeks for a half day. And we're going to go over the business plan, where our numbers are, where we want the numbers to be. How do we get there? So that isn't just a conversation with the dentist. It's a conversation with the whole team. They have 
lots of meetings. Um, they, you know, hang up goal charts. This is where we're at. This is the goal we want to hit. If you hit this goal, the, the office managers can get creative with different incentives for the team members. If you hit this goal, we're going to have a pizza party for everybody. If you hit this goal, then you get uh, whoever sells the most fluoride in a week's time will get a $100 bonus on their paycheck. So they are looking at it as the business of dentistry, where if all dentists could focus on not just fixing teeth, but looking at and learning about how the business of dentistry works uh, and going over that same thing, that would help a lot of other private dental offices start to, to thrive more than where they're at now. Okay. I agree with- yeah. <laughs> what, what about, what about this? So you guys talk about, for example, I saw that um, most uh, general dentists last about a year in corporate dentistry, right? That's their biggest issue. It's like you said, uh, turnaround, right? Turnovers right. are, are killing them, right? Do you think that's sustainable if you have to ha- have a new associate in every single year? And, or do, and do they care? I mean, if Kyle wants to pretend I didn't ask this question, you can go ahead. I honestly think... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to answer your question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> how many dentists are actually graduating yearly okay. and they're coming out with a huge student loan? And private practices just cannot offer that salary straight off the bat. And a lot of these dentists are coming out with student loans and basically costs and bills and they want to make money and they go straight into corporate dentistry. They learn what they want and they leave. They're always going to have a supply of dentists who want to make that salary. Um, I think for them, they use the dentist as much as they can. Now, within my three years of being there, I saw a handful of dentists come and go um, I saw some bad dentistry being done by some new grads that were not supposed to be even touching the patients at the time, <laughs> but they were doing a lot of bigger procedures on them. But so they are also dealing with that end of it as well, which I think they're caused them, causes them to have those good training programs, like really get them strong. And because if I didn't do that VA residency, I wouldn't know how to do a molar endo and I would probably shy away from it. Right. Um, whereas they want to build that confidence in their doctors and they promise a lot of things to them to try to maintain them. But again, at the end of the day, I feel like corporate dentistry is just viewed as a, as a transition. Like you go through it, you learn what you can, you get that initial salary, you get some experience under your wings, you make some mistakes. Um, that corporate is going to cover you when you do right. and yep. you leave and you go into a private practice and you get a better job because now you have two years of experience under your belt. So that, at least that's how it worked for me. And I think there's never a shortage of dentists for them. I mean, in the area I was at, they were having a hard time finding good people to work for us, but um, they, there are always people who are ready to just get that paycheck at least for one year and see where it goes. And there's also a, Group a a uh, population of patients that will go to the cheapest option will go to uh, that that it doesn't matter to them if they see the same dentist every year. Uh, they corporate can offer like like Nogme said fifty nine dollar new patient exam get you in the door. Uh, they have the um, 
the patient financing options available to pay for things. They they have those systems available uh, as far as convincing somebody how they are able to pay for treatments where private practice is, this is the fee, take it or leave it. Uh, and that, that support, business support isn't there. So there are patients that they want to build that relationship with the dentist. They want to trust that dentist. They want to make sure that dentist is the person that's seeing them every time they come in with Heartland and the, the new grads that are getting run through the practices. That patient population, I think, doesn't really care as much to see the, the, the same person. They come to ex- expect that they're going to see somebody different every time. And if it's a little bit cheaper to go to an office that they don't see the same person, it's not really a big deal to them because they're looking for to save a dollar. Well, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to push back a little bit. I don't know if anybody really wants to see uh, a new doctor every day, right? Every time they go there, because you build rapport with people in general, right? Uh, For example, like my, my daughter just, she just turned three and we had to see a different doctor for her. And we were like, myself and my wife were both irritated. We're like, but the doctor just saw her. Yeah, she, you know, he wasn't there. I mean, he's going to come back, but like, he knows her. And that, mm-hmm. that kind of connection, you can't really substitute for. And I, I personally believe that that's kind of the shortcoming of these corporate uh, entities where to keep losing these dentists. You're also going to lose patients. You may not notice it immediately, but you will because people do want connection. You know what I mean? And they want to see the same dentist because that dentist, maybe they knew them. You know, they they had that connection. They had that discussion with that. that if it would save you if it would save you $100 a visit, would you care if you saw the same person? Well, there you go. I mean, and, and I'm not saying that. I mean, you made a statement that like, oh, uh, people don't care to see. The, I think they care. But you're right. Finances does play a bigger role than right. who my dentist is. But I do believe that people care who they they see and if they can see the same person over and over again they will and get that better. I agree. You know if you I mean? if you take finances out of it, yes, I agree. Right, People yeah. want to see the same person, yeah. but in the ideal world, yeah, I right, agree. exactly. Um, so what would you tell a, a new graduate they're about to leave? Do you think that doing this whole going to corporate to kind of learn and grow, especially with the CEs and stuff, do you think that that's a good thing for them to do, or do you think you should say? No, just do use the you know residency as kind of like the platform. Like, how do you see this whole corporate entity uh, in, in interacting with you know dentistry in general? I would tell them to do both. I would hundred percent say get yourself at least a one year JPR. It does. It changed me and the way I practice in the ways that I don't think it would have happened if I didn't. And I I know it depends on the GPR residency or AGD that you end up in. But me and Kyle and you, Doctor Arco, yeah. we were all lucky enough to go right. and get trained by some of the best doctors that we could be trained by. Thank you, Dr. Sullivan. <laughs> That's a shout out. That's a shout out to Dr. Sullivan for sure. He still yells at, he still yells at me and I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I have nightmares of him yelling at me, but it's all good. <laughs> so get yourself that training because they're just things that they don't teach you in dental school. And you're going to walk out without that training. You're going to feel like, there's a lot of things that you could possibly do that you're just going to shy away from because you haven't had somebody holding your hand through it and teaching you how to do it. And if it was me going back six years, I would go back into Heartland. 
I would because I had a good experience with them, generally speaking. Um, I did get everything I wanted from them. I made good money from with them starting this after a year and a half of being with them. I made good money. I learned a lot of business that I would not have learned if I was in private practice. Since I've been in private practice, I can tell you a single time that an owner doctor came up to me and said, hey, do you want to look at this P&L statement with me? Nobody, nobody has mentioned that with me. I'm just an employee. I make good money. I make a lot more money than I did with Heartland, but I'm not part of the business model for the practice. At least I'm not involved in it. Whereas with Heartland, I learned the things that I would not have learned if it wasn't for them. And I got a lot of CE. I learned exactly what I wanted from them, but don't stay with them. Leave. Once Please don't get stuck with them because unless you are in an amazing practice and you are making, you are working with that doctor, uh, the higher producing doctors in the practices in Heartland, you're probably not going to be, I don't know. I don't know. For me, it was like, get in there, use them as much as you can, get practice, learn what you can, and then get out there and do your own thing. I, I would agree 100% with you. Uh, I share the same exact feeling. Uh, it was a good experience in the long run. And if you are living in an area that doesn't have corporate dentistry in it, uh, rumor has it that they're coming into my small town now. Uh, I have a better idea of what their business model is. So I'm able to plan my current practice around, uh, things that I'm going to be expecting to happen in town. I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot of flyers going out, a lot more advertising, a lot of, uh, you know, come to our practice for a dollar emergency exam, come to our office for a $59, a new patient exam. And I can prepare that knowledge is you know, the most important thing in life. Uh, so the more, you know, the more it, it, it's pretty great to have the opportunity to walk into another business, have them share with you, teach you anything you want to learn about their business. And with over a thousand practices, you can, wherever you end up, there's a good chance that you're going to have a corporate office down the street from you and you can better plan your own business on how you can coexist together and uh, both, you know, survive or thrive in an area. So I, I completely agree. I, I think it's a good experience for, for young grads. Go in, get training, learn whatever you can, whatever you want to learn from them, and then get out and get into private practice because that's where you really can make a lot more money if that's what motivates you um, and uh, you know, benefit long-term from it as long as you're picking up the skills that allow you to do that. And also have your expectations set at the beginning. So don't go in there expecting the most amazing job of your life because I don't think any of us in any of our positions have that. So you're never going to be in a perfect practice making the best amount of money, dealing with the best type of patients. It's it's just that's too idealistic and that's never going to happen. Whether it's not happening now that I'm an assistant in the private practice, I'm pretty sure it's not happening for Kyle who owns his own practice. Um, and I'm, it never happened when I was with Heartland. But you just have to have your expectations. You know what you're going in there for. You know you're going in to learn. You're going in to learn the business. You're going in to learn the practice of dentistry. The um, You're going to be very strong with endo when you come out. Um, 
I wish they had more surgery courses, which Heartland at that, if you're listening to this. Um, but otherwise, I think overall speaking, at the end of the day, it all depends on the practice you end up in. Do your research with the, whether it's an affiliation or the Novo, do your research on what, who you're going to be working with, what type of patient base you're going to have. But just, just, I think it's a good practice. I think it's, it makes a lot of sense to come out of dental school or residency and actually get some few years under your belt with Heartland or any other core. I mean, I talk for other corporate dentals, but with Heartland, it was worth it. For me, it was worth it. And I will do it again. Wow. Well, that kind of summed it up, I think. I mean, you basically said everything that, you know, I think people want to know, right? Like, how do I utilize these corporate to kind of benefit myself? And it sounds kind of selfish, but that's how you have to be, I think, whenever it comes to dealing with this. You have to be selfish and say, let me take the most I possibly can out of it, right? Because they're doing something right. So let's take well, that's how they're looking at you also. Exactly. How do I, how do I get the most out of this dentist? Exactly. So it's look at it the same way. I agree. I agree. Well, let's just end it here. Um, honestly, this was awesome. I think this was a great conversation to have. Because, one, I don't think we were lying about anything, right? We kind of kept it very honest. We didn't say, oh, this was, you know, the best thing in the world. And we all we basically found the negative with corporate and the negative with private. But we gave them the full gambit of, hey, this is what to expect. And I don't think uh, right. whenever they come to the schools, the corporations, I don't think they tell that side. Like, hey, this is going to suck for this, this, and this. Right. They give you only the, the positive, like Kyle said at the beginning, all this. Right. They, t- they sell right. you a dream. Right. And I think this is kind of coming back to earth and, and come back to reality and say, no. Yeah, it could be great, but this is how you make it to your benefit. Right. Yeah. Right. So thank you, guys. This was an awesome conversation. I, I, I learned a lot. I really did. And, and, and again, I feel like if, did you guys get yelled at as much as I did in the <laughs> VA? No, I'm serious. Like this, <laughs> it bothers me. Always late. Dr. Sullivan always looked at me and just shook his head when I walked in at 810. Yeah, this is what he did to me too. Yep. Uh, I was a star pupil. I was oh, there at 7 a.m. every day. Shut up. No one, no one asked you, Kyle. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> teacher's pet teacher's pet exactly but no thank you guys honestly really appreciate everybody come on again thank you so much thank you for having us thank you kyle for getting me into this podcast i look forward to being with you guys again we will talk absolutely we absolutely will thank you again thank you for listening to tooth be told if you have any questions or comments please email us at real dentist with an s at gmail.com that's real dentist r-e-a-l dentist with an s at gmail.com remember the opinions on this podcast are just that our professional opinions the final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional